Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 146, and we're interviewing Elizabeth Kay. How are you doing, Elizabeth? Hey, Jim. Glad to be here. Thanks so much. I know. It's all my pleasure. I would, I'm going to enjoy this. So let's dive in. Let's get started. And tell me about your childhood and growing up. Oh, well, I think I'll, I'll just start saying that uh, I started really... Um, uh, it, 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 in alcohol, <laughs> I actually started, my mother drank and smoked, uh, while she was pregnant, uh, not knowing, you know, wasn't anything she, she didn't know she was causing any problem, but it started that way. And, um, and then there was a lot of sugar in the house. So there was, you know, sugar was, was also part of it. Did you have fetal alcohol syndrome? Uh, they didn't have, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have a label like that when I was born. Okay. I don't. I don't know that I did. I know that I had a traumatic. Um, I certainly had a traumatic birth experience. Um, my mom went into a deep depression uh, right after uh, I was delivered, and she disappeared somewhere for uh, nine months. And um, and I was born with a closed pyloric valve, which is the thing that opens so that your stomach can take in contents. It kind of it's a thing that opens and closes, and mine was closed. Um, my, but they didn't have, uh, they didn't have surgery or NICUs back then. Um, my, I really feel that my pediatrician was divinely inspired. She put me on a, my, my mattress on a 45 degree angle. And after two weeks, gravity opened that. Uh-huh. Right. So very interesting. So a lot of, um, that was a kind of mother baby rupture there that, that, separation was was pretty major um you know but i physically survived it um anyway so uh, i kind of started that way there was a lot of sugar in the house coca-cola um treats and things like that um anyway so i didn't realize that that none of nobody knew at that time what a gateway drug that was Uh, anyway so my my mom was bipolar. Of course, at that at those days, they didn't have a label for bipolar, and she uh, she also had a a a, a very um, she had a bad back, and it wasn't from an accident per se. She just had she had uh, like spasms in in the muscles in her back. Um, she was a golfer, and she she was really good at what she did. She was an amateur pro, but she um, she would come home uh, with a lot of back spasm and she used alcohol to mitigate the pain and that doesn't sit well with a bipolar it doesn't sit well period but it doesn't sit especially well for with a bipolar personality right so no i know firsthand i'm bipolar so i'm part of the club the lucky club (laughs) so it, it is challenging and as a child um her pattern was 
her particular pattern was that she um, she would go into a rage at least once a day. And I just never knew when it was going to be. So I was constantly like, you know, I, I was just constantly looking and and uh, it really created a um, a, um, a habit of being hypervigilant, like very, very alert, uh, worrying all the time about what was going to happen when, when I was going to get it. And I, and it wasn't, and I, and I never knew why it was, why I was going to get it. It was just, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if I was doing something that I was supposed to or not. It just, right. So, so that was very, um, uh, unsettling. Um, and that kind of put me into a frequency of, of, uh, of, of a lot of suppressing my emotions because I, you know, I get in trouble. I mean, she was allowed to freak out, but my brother and I weren't. <laughs> we weren't allowed to emote at all, right? So, um, so that you know is a lot of internal pressure too. And they, my mother and father, opened the bar at five at night, and that, but there was no governor. They just kept drinking until it was bedtime. So there was no, there was no really. Um, we didn't have good role models, really. Well, we had the only the only governor was they 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 started at five in the afternoon. They they didn't they didn't drink before that. Although in later years, um, you know, alcohol being a progressive disease, um, they would open the bar earlier. I mean, much by the time I was an adult, you know, my dad was opening the bar at eleven, and my mom was starting, you know, before lunch, and so progressive disease, right? Uh, I actually started drinking when I was about 14 uh, socially, but I had, I had such poor role models. I didn't know anything about like you have one drink and that's it or what. I didn't have any of that. I didn't, I just, there wasn't any of that around me. And by the who, time who did I was, you first use it with? Oh, I was just at a party with a bunch of friends, uh, but, but there were adults in the room. It was, it was, it was like, you know, it was just like, here, have a Tom Collins, you know, like vodka with lemonade. That was, it was, a, it was like a natural thing. So um, anyway, by the time I was 17, I quit drinking. I found myself with a bottle of beer in my lap, uh, looking outside at my favorite tree at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I, I didn't care about my tree anymore. And I, I'm a real nature freak. And I, I just like, I had no, no feeling at all. And I just didn't care anymore. And I was, and I, and I had this voice in me that said, you know what, you're going to turn in to your mother. If you, if you keep this up. And I was just like, I'm not going there. So I, I quit drinking, but I had had an accident when I was um, 15 um, I, I broke a vertebrae in my low back and it, and it, uh, we didn't know that it was broken at the time. I, I just kind of grew up with no pain, no gain, that kind of ethic. So I, you know, I, when I broke it, it hurt, but I, we never had an x-ray cause I could get up and walk away from the accident. And it was just, yeah, that's kind of the way I grew up. So, um, anyway, I had that accident when I was 15 and 14 years later, uh, it became a real problem and because I, I, I broke a bone in the fifth lumbar, the base of the spine, and it broke front to back. And the front part slipped forward 
and kind of pulled the leg nerves with it. And it became pretty unstable 14 years later after I had my son. And so uh, that started a bunch of surgery. And uh, and that's when the opiates and the benzodiazepines started. And it was all prescription. As I was on, I was on a, a prescription drugs for 32 years looking for an answer. And the only answer, I had three, three surgeries, structural surgeries, and a fourth corrected surgery, all related to the back. And every time it was more and more opiates and benzos. And, um, and I was on uh, the last 15 years, I was on fentanyl. 15 years I was on fentanyl. It's, it's pretty remarkable that I'm alive, actually. Right? So uh, all prescription. The doctors just didn't have any other answer. They just said, well, you're going to be in pain for the rest of your life, and this is the best we've got. Now, that's an interesting statement. I have a science background, and, and I, I, I kind of knew there was another answer. I just didn't know what it was. And the fact that they were saying, you know, you need opiates and benzos, you know, in order to handle your quality of life, um, and and you're not going to get better. That told me more about the model they were working with than it did about the, the human body's ability to heal. It told me more about the limitations of the model they were working with, if that makes sense. So I, anyway, I kept looking for an answer and I knew I was going to have to look outside of the Western medical model because they had this solution and that was all they had. And I knew it was a limited model because science is a limited, is self-limiting. It can only uh, comment and work in uh, what it can observe, measure, and describe. And that's what Western medicine is in that model. But we live in the all that is, in the all that is. So I knew I would have to look beyond the science the science model in order to find a solution i have to look at all of it i hope that makes sense <laughs> so so that's what i did and um finally i found a doctor uh who actually understood the nature of chronic pain which was what i had i had i had addiction i had untreated addiction clearly but the thing that got me on the medicine in the first place was i had untreated chronic pain and we started with a trauma, birth trauma. And, you know, what we see in chronic pain is it starts with unresolved trauma. And then How old goes, were you when you gave birth? When I gave birth, I was, uh, I was uh, 28 when I had my son. But the trauma that I had was when, when I was born. That trauma. That trauma. And so, and then, then all the chaos, you know, that I lived with as a, as a kid. So that's a lot of trauma, unresolved trauma. We see unresolved trauma leads to chronic pain, leads to addiction, because we got to solve the problem. And our best solution for a problem is, you know, <clears throat> we're always looking out there for the for the solution, because that's the way our that's the way I was raised. You know, oh here, take a pill. You know, <laughs> I mean, the adults um, when I was young. Uh, when when children uh, got hurt and they would ah you know scream or whatever, the adults would rush in and they would they would they would do whatever they could to make the pain stop. 
and that included pills and stuff, doctors. And, you know, they never said to me, pain is part of healing. They never said that. They just did whatever they could to make it go away. So we're in a, we're in a war with pain, at least in this country, at least in the culture I grew up in. We're in a war with pain. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. So anyway, I was on those medications for a long time. Finally found a doctor who, um, I'm looking for his book. It's right here somewhere. Oh, here it is. He wrote a book. Oops, sorry. Conquer Chronic Pain. Conquer Chronic Pain, an Innovative Mind-Body Approach by Dr. Peter Prescott. He passed away a few years ago. I went into treatment with him. He detoxed me off all the medication, which was amazing. Um, which he did with thousands of people. And I went into his pain management program. I walked into that program in a treatment with uh, 40 years of over 40 years of chronic pain. And I walked out of that program 52 days later with no pain at all. And you know what? I wasn't the only one. It wasn't like I'm so special. There was a nine, he had a 94% success rate in his program. It was remarkable. Right? What kind of things would you do? Well, he, uh, so remember I said this model's limited? Yeah. Peter was a Qigong healer. So he, he worked, he was also, he was an addiction specialist and a and neurophysiologist and lots of other doctory things. So he worked in the Western model, but he had this, he had this Eastern, um, outside of the Western model. He lived, he worked in the other part of the, of the world, just like I was trying to. And um, when he saw me, he didn't want to see my x-rays or my reports. He, he said, who are you? I want to know what makes you tick. He didn't care about all my x-rays and tests and stuff. So he looked at me as a whole person. He didn't just look at my back. And uh, he took us into Qigong. We worked with Qigong, which was a, which was a, a process that I could, could do even, even in my weakened state. I spent... Uh, I was like 10 or 12 days in a detox bed, detoxing, and then got up and did his Qigong thing. So that's pretty amazing. What's Qigong? Uh, Qigong is a, um, it's a, I hate to say it, it's, it's not really a martial arts. It's, it's, a, it's an energy movement. It's kind of like, it's, some people would call it a martial art, but it's not. Uh, Peter, first of all, learned Kung Fu. Uh, and then he learned Qigong, which is a, it's just a little different version of, it's energy movement. It's it's just it's moving the body and 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 leveraging the energetic uh, system systems in the body to to move energy. And so um, that that's the best way I can say it's an Eastern it's an Eastern practice and it's quite uh, quite powerful for for clearing stuck energy old stuck energy very helpful. So we did that. He I was already a meditator, but I he. He took us into mindfulness and meditation. Um, it's just meditation is just a lot more powerful when you're not on drugs. Um, uh, already had a yoga practice, so I, I I just did more of that. We had fitness. Um, we did some um, adversity. Some he he had he t we did some psychiatric stuff. It was more like a, um, adversity therapy. So, um, kind of like we would. We had once a week, we'd come in together and we'd all share like one thing that was really difficult for us and the whole group would support us and we would kind of rewrite this, the scene. 
right? We kind of, we kind of like, you know, this thing happened to me and, and, um, you know, and I, I thought this about myself, like it made me feel like I was a terrible person. And, and we would, we would rewrite the same that this thing happened, but it made me, but look at how strong I was to, to move through it. Right. Yeah. That kind of thing. So it was very, very empowering. And that was the thing about this guy. He took us from victimhood into empowerment, just like that. And I, and I think that was what was part of his magic. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> He was a remarkable guy. So his book is pretty cool. How did and, he bring you to empowerment? Well, I'll give you an example. He, um, I remember the first day I went into his classroom and I got out of that hospital bed. Um, he said, um, he said, don't judge the moment. And I was like, in my head, I wasn't going to be rude, but in my head, I said, dude, I'm just sitting here minding my own business. I'm not judging anybody. Right. But he had the room. So I sat there listening and I, and, and, and within about three minutes, I realized he was talking about my pain. He was talking about pain. I was judging pain. Right. I was judging the pain experience is bad. And I was like, oh my God, I, I've been judging my pain my whole life. And that just, you know, when it, when I'm, I was fighting with the pain, it's constantly fighting with pain and that just makes it bigger. And then he said to the whole class, he says, what are you doing to cause your pain? What behaviors are you bringing in that are contributing, not your cause, but contributing to your pain? And I thought, you know, I'm not doing anything. I, I, it's, it's doing it to me. That was my, that was my baseline. And I, I listened to him a little longer, just a little bit longer. And I realized there were things that I was actually doing this contributing to my pain. And one of them was judging the moment as bad, judging my pain as bad. And so in that moment, he really took me from victimhood, the pain's doing it to me, to empowerment. Oh, I actually have some control over this experience. It was huge. It was huge. So... Uh, he taught us how to breathe. You know, he taught us how to leverage the breath, um, which was uh, really important in, in in detox and calming anxiety. Because I had, I, I wasn't just addicted to medication. I was, I had panic attacks. <laughs> I had the anxiety up the yin yang, and um, and he and and those kind of just went. They just disappeared because I learned how to leverage the breath and calm the nervous system. So we did lots of things in that program to, it wasn't like a lot of a, a big, huge, long grocery list of things. It was just, you know, maybe a couple handfuls of things that, that, uh, that helped regulate the nervous system, uh, detox the body, uh, get the mind. So it was calmer. That's the meditation piece and, um, and, and clear our trauma. You know, we had a chance to kind of talk about the stuff that had happened to us and, and and heal that stuff. So it was a very effective program. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So I got out of treatment. And um, well, one of the things that happened to me in treatment is important for this uh, broadcast. Um, in the afternoons, so we did group and, and uh, we, we did like small group women's. I did a women's group in the morning and meetings and this and that. And in the afternoon... 
I went to pain track to see Dr. Peter. Well, there were a hundred people on the campus, a uh, hundred patients on the campus that worked in the treatment center I was at. And 80 of them went to relapse school in the afternoon and 20 of us went to pain track. So it was just a Peter's group was this small, the chronic pain people was kind of small, small uh, section of the, of the population, patient population. And I went to my uh, counselor and I said, well, uh, what about relapse? Cause I'm not getting any education in that. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, I think I need some education in that. And she said, there's an 80% relapse rate in the first year after, you know, after treatment. And I was like stunned. And I, in my head, I, I said to myself, well, I'm doomed because I don't like the odds. And the second thing I said was, what's wrong with this model we're using for recovery? Because if we've got an 80% relapse rate in the first year, we're, we're not, we're, we're doing something we can do better. Can't, can't we do better? <laughs> you know, right? So I, I kind of vowed in that moment that uh, if, you know, when I got out of treatment, that I would, I would do what I could uh, to see if there was something I could do to help bring down that relapse rate. So when I got out of treatment um, and I got, got, got my sea legs under me in my own recovery, uh, I eventually became a recovery coach. I became a yoga teacher. I teach yoga meditation now as part of, so I'm a trauma-trained and yoga-informed addiction recovery coach is what I do. And I specialize in the chronic pain aspect of it. Uh, there are a lot of people that um, they're clean, um, but they they get into some kind of a, a chronic pain situation where they've had surgery and they have to take medication and or maybe they're on benzos or whatever it is. Um, and I And I work with those people to help them get clean again. Yeah. Or I help them deal with chronic pain um, so that they don't have to be on medicine. The thing about opiates is that um, there's there's no study that I know of and I've looked, but, you know, I, I haven't looked. There's a lot of information out there, but there's no study that I'm aware of that says that opiates heal chronic pain. Opiates are useful for the nervous system to calm the nervous system when it's so freaked out with pain that it can't rest. So they have a they have a, a role, but there's no evidence that I'm aware of that it heals it. So what do opiates do actually in a you know to, to the body? Besides calm it for a little bit, numb it for a little bit so you can get some rest, like if you've got a kidney stone and you've just had surgery or something where you're like, you know, body's just freaked out in pain. It represses the nervous system, it depresses the nervous system sorry, the, uh, the respiratory system. So we, we can't breathe effectively. And so we're, we're not able to take in oxygen properly into the, to nourish the cells and we can't release toxins effectively. Uh, and we, 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 uh, we release 70% of the toxins that come out of the human body uh, come out through the air, through the breath. Still with us? Yeah. 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 So it represses the the um the respiratory system. It uh dehydrates us, so we're we're not getting enough water in the system. Uh it it paralyzes the the digestive tract so we can't digest our food. And please explain to me how that's healing. Those things not just not they're not just 
neutral, they're actually not healing. They're they're kind of working against the healing. So it's kind of no wonder that people get into um, a corner with opiates. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Benzodiazepines um, are a problem because they, they uh, I'll just finish this and then you can ask. Uh, they're a problem because they, they, they're really only meant to be for short term. And when you take them long term, they'll turn around and give you what you took them for. So that's why I ended up with uh, anxiety, lots of such, not so much anxiety and panic attacks. That was just long term benzo use. It's just, you know, they didn't know that back then. <laughs> they didn't know that back in 2013. They know it now. I got clean in 2013. So in your program of helping people, what do you do to manage chronic pain? Like if I came to you, what would be some of the things you would you know, do for me? Well, the first thing we do is I, I actually, uh, I, I would, I want to listen to your story. I need, I need to get some data just to find out kind of what, what the baseline is for you. The next thing is, um, and we did this in Peter's group. I just didn't get to it. Um, is, is I would bring in ancestral clearing which is a modality that helps people um, uh, release burden that they carry from the past, uh, not just the past in this lifetime, but in their lineage. And I'll give you a really quick example of kind of how that might show up in somebody's life. Do you know anybody in your family that's a warrior that's just worries all the time? A warrior? Um no, there's no one really that I can think of that's close to me that worries all the time. I guess I'm lucky in that regard. Okay. Do you have some other um, thing in your family that you've that you've seen that that's like you know your grandfather has and your father has and you feel like you have it and it's like a it's like a behavioral pattern that's like I don't know how to get rid of this. <laughs> this is here. This is again. No, I mean I'm I'm stubborn like my mother. Stubborn. That's a good one. Yes. Like my mother, um, we could be thick-headed at times, like, you know, goes along with being stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, but things I also get from my mom are things like passion. Like she's a very kind person. Oh, yes. So we come in with the gifts and the burdens of our ancestors. We have exactly. We get the full, we get the full package, right? Yeah. So we, so we, um, we carry the burdens in terms of unresolved burden. So, you know, the, the, um, the burden of uh, descendants of the Holocaust, descendants of 9-11, uh, descendants of any, pick a war, any other war. Uh, I'm in Lawrence, Kansas, so we're, we're just the home of the, the oldest and largest uh, indigenous American university in, in the United States. And the, they, they carry all kinds of burden. Right, I, I work on a lot of a, a lot of people. A lot of people in this area um, are kind of mixed, the mixed white and, and indigenous. And um, so there's there's uh, one of the things that we see there is just a difficulty accessing joy. It's it's something that happens, right? And, okay. and by indigenous, you mean Native Americans? Yeah. And yeah, I mean they. It's very high rate of alcoholism. I get because exactly there's just nothing from what I understand. I don't know, you know too much. It's just there's really nothing offered in the way of 
moving forward or progressing in the community sometimes. It's kind of like you're just stuck in a certain situation. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not an addiction uh, recovery coach that works on the reservation. So I don't, I don't have that exposure, but I do work with the uh, ancestral clearing end of it. I work, I work that. So anyway, ancestral clearing is one thing I do. I listen to the story, ancestral clearing. Um, I bring in meditation because that's the quick, quickest way to, to calm the mind. But if you've got somebody in chronic pain, they likely have um, a, a trauma background and, and, a, and a, a dysregulated nervous system. And you can't ask them to sit. You can't necessarily ask them to sit still. So I don't do that. <laughs> that that would be contrary to, to what would be helpful for them. So I teach them how to um, do meditation moving. It's less threatening. It's more calming to the mind. So I do that. Um, Meditation, I, I do encourage yoga. I teach a trauma-informed yoga class online uh, twice a week. Once uh, anybody can come in and the other one is, is a private a private, uh, private membership uh, community called the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, PBD Institute. That's for anybody that's had a betrayal inst uh, experience. You go there to heal for that. Um, so... Um, I bring in uh, spiritual principles. Um, I can take people through the steps. It kind of depends on what step they want, but that's sponsorship. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't charge for that. I don't charge for, for sponsors taking somebody through the steps. I charge for my coaching though. Yeah. So it's kind of like, um, uh, I brought in the trauma, uh, the trauma training because I, I've just seen so many people in the rooms that that they're they're clean but they're still carrying the effects of whatever they brought them in there in the first place from you know from the deep deep underbelly the the cause that, that brought them in in the first place which is some kind of unresolved trauma yeah so what do you do nowadays to keep yourself so what's uh what's the daily What's a day like in the uh, life of Elizabeth K? Oh, it just in my own recovery. Yeah. So I divide the day up into three parts. So a, a three eight-hour um, sections. This is kind of how my structure works. Uh, eight hours are, are downtime for me. And, and, and it's kind of in bed. I, I may not sleep that whole time. But if I'm not, a, if I'm not sleeping, I'm meditating. So I'm, I'm down for eight hours. I have eight hours um, are work and eight hours to my recovery. And the, the work is, you know, the work that I do. And the recovery part is uh, any service work, um, self-care, you know, like got to go get my groceries, cook my food, um, you know, my own spiritual practice. Um, I, have a, I have a yoga practice that I do every morning, um, which includes meditation, which is a huge, I've been doing that for, I don't know, since I was clean, I just, I was saying, I got, I got out of treatment in November 5th ish. And I, I've had a, I've had a, a morning practice since January of that, of the next year. So 2014. So I've been doing a morning practice, some kind of yoga practice every, every morning since then. Very helpful. Um, so that's kind of what my day looks like. It's really helpful to have that structure 
Oh, and the service work goes under the recovery part. My service work is included in the eight hours of recovery. Yeah. And I and I, I lead a I lead a meeting an online meeting every day on on a on a recovery platform called Recovery Two Point uh, which is a uh, it's a it's a recovery um, program which includes um, the twelve steps, and it includes yoga and nutrition. So it it's this three pronged approach, and um, and I so I lead a, an online meeting uh, every week on that. Uh, sorry, once every day of the week, um, and we do like I have a, a a healing, chronic pain, and recovery meeting, and we have uh, we have a book study meeting, and and uh, we've got um, food addiction meetings. Uh, I, I run a lead speaker speaker meeting on Fridays, and then on Saturday and Sunday, I lead a yogic insights into recovery meeting. So it's a little different than. Uh, then, uh, a, you know, like NA is my is my home group here, Narcotics Anonymous. It's a little different than what they do, but you know, we're doing we're doing what we do. <laughs> so it's just different. It's just a different. Um, it's just it, it's helpful for me. Um, it's helpful for me. Yeah. It's great. It sounds like you're doing good things. Well, I'm grateful for the tools. Thank you. So here's the thing. When I was uh, all those years looking for a solution to the chronic pain and all that medication, their answer was opiates and benzos. That was the answer. And I kept looking for another answer. And, you know, when I found Dr. Peter, it was like, oh, there's another solution. And there's this thing called recovery. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, so It's like, wow, I've got tools. There's actually something to do here. We can yeah. we can heal. So, you know, I'm. I'm pretty stoked, you know, on recovery. That's great that you're pain-free um, with no medication. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is. Oh. So my last question to you is, do you have any advice for people watching or listening? Well, I'd say this. First of all, Wherever you are, uh, <clears throat> you can heal. And the greatest healer lives right inside of you. Doctors can set a bone and stitch up a wound, but they can't tell the body how to heal. Only the body knows that. And our job, um, trying to get into recovery, and when we're in recovery, is to support the body in every way we can, including doctors, you know, orders and, you know, healthcare workers and all that, right? 20% of my healing, I give that to the, the whole healing, the whole medical community, 20% of the responsibility for my healing goes to them. The other 80% is between me and God, huh. my higher power. And that's that thing that lives inside. So I, I just think it's really important that we kind of understand the power structure there. So that we we have some, and that was something that, that Peter kind of pointed to. It's like, oh, you know, it's here. I don't have to go out there. It's it's here. The power is in here. And the power in, out there, the, the higher power, is also in me. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I would say. That's what you would say. So do you have anything else you'd like to add? Well, I would like to say... Um, 
I wrote a book. Oh. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote a book. What's it's the name called, of the book? It's called The Way Through Chronic Pain, Tools to Reclaim Your Healing Power. Okay. It's a little bit of my story, but it's mostly um, it's mostly for chronic pain sufferers and those who care for them, doctors, nurses, family members, and friends. It offers proven techniques to clear uh, to clear pain and live a life free from suffering. Um, from me, who searched the globe for answers and found them, and it's a, it's like a companion. It's a companion to Doctor Peter's book. Okay. This is like the this is like the researchery one, and this is like the the, the user's manual. So they're 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 kind of a set anyway. So I, I have that to offer, and you can get a hold of me at my website, which is at elizabeth-kip.com. You got to put the hyphen in there because elizabeth-kip.com is a uh, she's a website designer and a photographer, and she's amazing, but she's not me. So <laughs> elizabeth-kip.com. So for everyone listening, it's elizabeth-kip.com. That's it. Yeah. That's great you wrote a book. That's super awesome. Thanks. We have a book being published that I wrote. It should be out in early September. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it it took a while to write, but it was worth it. It is worth it. Yeah. It's good. As long as it's going to help other people. That's all the whole reason I do it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Congratulations. I'm so glad you did that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. That means a lot. So that seems like a good place to wrap this up. So for anybody watching and listening, I hope you liked what you saw and heard. If you did, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as well. Also, we have plenty of resources and free literature at our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. And once again, there's plenty of resources and free literature there available. So once again, I hope what you like, you saw and heard. And until next time.